0: so höre ich denn jetzt hier nichts Hello, this is the part of the
1: conversation where random people turn on your microphone and say hello to everybody and say something about what you're doing here today. Just one at a time, go ahead.
2: I'm Naomi, I'm glad I'm in Miami. I just did my first ETB and I met Eric and he's on the call now and I'm very happy to see him.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. I'm Eric and uh, I had just a really special growing uh, experience at the Expand the Box this weekend and so nice to be here with everybody. Hello.
4: I'm Pontus. I'm celebrating that I'm going to an expand the box. Uh, I will be leaving within the next 12 hours. And um, so, what you see me right now is actually me packing for my expand the box. I'm just ecstatic. I'm not glad. I am ecstatic to see all my ETB team members here sharing together. Wow, magical weekend.
0: I'm
5: very happy that i got to be in the um possibility management call on sunday with scott and michelle and uh i got to i received some really powerful emotional healing process um and i'm excited about
1: You guys don't all, only have to be happy, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, people are going to get a
6: strange I, perspective. Yes, about Felix here. Hey, and Felix.
7: I just come from our app in Germany and um, I just keep on um, the ball rolling with being here.
6: Thank you.
2: I'm Ingrid. Uh, I'm in my office, and I tried. To, uh, I'm in the moment uh, a little bit sad, also a little bit uh, uh, angry, and a little bit enjoy joy. At a and uh, I couldn't reach my partners. I did it for myself, but I'm very glad to see my partners here. So. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Phyllis. I don't know
8: what went wrong. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tatiana and I'm also just back from the lab with Felix, and I'm here, and I'm a little bit sad that it's over, and I'm, yeah. I I feel joy to be here, and yeah, about this possibility to continue. Um yeah, to stay in this uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> with all and continue my lap.
9: Yeah. Thank you.
1: if <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're not saying anything in the moment, will you please make sure that your microphone is muted so that none of the background noises come. Thank you.
10: I am Crystal from Leipzig and I have been here some weeks or months ago and in between I've been at um,
2: ETV and I'm in the reading group of Hubbard and Felix. And i'm happy to be here now and to understand more even if it is in english because i understood a lot in german now <laughs> so i'm curious how far you went and so on and i'm happy to see some people of my reading group here tatiana ingrid and felix yes hi <laughs>
1: One or two more people, just some voices from around the world, please.
11: Hi, this is Maria. Me and Valentino are on our way to the beach right now. I didn't want to miss my opportunity to join the chorus of voices from this weekend. With Jennifer and Patricio, was really melting and magical, and I feel crazy and really glad. And I wanted to share how grateful I am that this like massive spontaneity and this work has occurred so rapidly and beautifully online and what it was so grounding to participate in this in-person experience this weekend with all these beautiful people. So I feel really glad about that. Thank you.
7: hi this this is Devin uh, I've been I've been experimenting with uh, the gremlin diet recently and on Saturday I had my first gremlin feeding eating a few different foods today and I just went to town and it was uh, it was it was really fun and good to have this permission for this part of me that typically I only feed with a lot of guilt and shame and the next day I was sitting there, sitting outside journaling and reflecting on the experience. And I, I was like, I wonder what my gremlin is up to now. And so I just kind of had a moment of feeling into it. And I I imagined him on this banister right next to where I was, uh, sort of drunkenly snoozing happily. And I felt uh, both this, this joy at, at like, wow, this is is working, this sort of connection with him is working. And this sadness to at like with this part of myself that has that has in any way felt like I'm taking care of him or he's taking care of me. And anyway I'm I'm excited for more and it felt like a really validating moment.
1: oh we're over here in portugal and we're really excited uh by tomorrow we're packing off to set up the training space for a full expand the box training over here and then a two-day break and then a, a five-day possibility village lab and then a two-day break and then a five-day evolutionary lab so we're in we're and we're I'm so excited to, like you, somebody mentioned already, just to be in the physical spaces with real people. <clears throat> as wonderful as it is to talk to you on the flat screen, it's it's going to be so great to to have the spontaneity and the long longer uh, interaction space. So really looking forward to that, and I'm I'm so happy to hear about uh, what was happening in Florida and your other experiences together. Um, That is fantastic. It's really great. So um, I I think the thing that I like most about it is the experimental nature of it. It is the the risk that's involved in doing an experiment is that you do not know the outcome. And that's that's what I mean by an experiment is to, to try something that is not Controllable. It's something that you put yourself into personally, and uh, um, without even sometimes even being able to imagine what might emerge. And I'm, I personally am so confident in speaking about this stuff and and bringing uh, others on these journeys because of the potential that I have over the years grown really pretty confident is uh, uh, behind a human being how much potential each person has that is pretty much invisible and unrecognized by modern culture and modern culture education and modern culture lifestyles and those things that there's this huge uh, and deep resources that each person has and and the ways of calling them forth have this is what we've been experimenting with for 45 years in possibility management and and are so happy to share not only not only just simply to share them but also to uh call forth the potential in other people to also share them with others so let's see let me say that better to call forth the potential in other people to call forth the potential in others. To basically, to be training training trainers, you know, to, to um, unleashing the space navigator, space holding, uh, alchemical transformational skills that a lot of you guys have. And, and giving it a, uh, a game world, a game space to play in that's safe and clear and powerful and mutually supportive. And that's the, the exciting part of possibility management for me. The, <clears throat> the not-so-exciting part was what I've been doing the last few days, which is just doing the back end behind the startover.xyz online platform that has 380-some websites right now that's so, so full of gaping holes. And we're getting more and more emails of people going, I need this, you know, t- This this link is wrong, this piece is missing, could you please fill in the data here because I need it for my work, which is fantastic um, because that's, that's what it's for. And it's so helpful when people do that because uh, we're lost in this maze of websites and links and <clears throat> all, these, all these things. So anytime you find something that you need on the, one of the websites, please let us know to send an email, a message or something, but yeah, so. Anything else from anybody before we dive into reading, starting on page 75, the beginning of chapter four? Somebody else, anything else?
12: I have something. Um, This is Nicole. I'm Zooming in from Calgary, Canada, and I'm terrified. I'm teaming up with Scott to bring an ETB to Calgary and I'm also looking for teammates to set up a village here that's gonna start with, a, with a, a school that's not a school, an unschool, and um, and I sure hope like some of you bravely adventure up to Calgary for the ETB here so that you might like, I don't know, make a trail that you follow again in the future um, to come up to the, to the, to check out the village school and the village that's going to grow around that. And yeah, I am terrified. And I'm also so glad because um, all of this is really starting to roll after I had a birth initiation with Anne Chloe last week. That's just changed everything so radically. I'm so, so grateful.
0: Thank you.
1: Yay, Calgary. Cool. All right, then. I have something. Who's this? Kay? Can
8: I say something, Clinton? It's Kay. Go ahead. Yeah. I saw a really hopeful movie. The most hopeful thing I've seen for a while amidst all of this. Horrible, everything, um, and it's called uh, "Kiss the Ground," and it's about no-till agriculture. And um, between what has been happening here and and I don't know, other things in my life, I'm convinced that uh, I'm not convinced. I'm inspired to uh, start writing and inviting people to join um this idea of you in the men and women's group that we had that you know we've ruined our village all the villages are ruined and how inviting people to build a village inviting men actually to build us a village and uh, anyway that's all
1: thank you Maybe you should be talking to Nicole. <laughs> Great. All right. I'm on page 75 at the at the end of the last uh, study group. We were we began talking at the beginning of the chapter, which is about some amazing things about having a mind. And It's, uh, it's, there's a big, it's a big, big, big topic. So uh, let's see how far we can get into this. Um, I'm just going to start with Section 4A. Our mind is massively creative. Our mind is creative when we act and then identify ourselves with that action as if we are that action. For example, you might say something like, good morning to someone. You look both ways before you cross the street. You have a thought about a conflict that we had yesterday with one of, our, one of your kids. You place your attention on the photo of a mostly nude woman on a on a billboard. You have fear about how the meeting will go today and so on. These are all actions. So I just want want to reflect. Having a thought is an action. Placing your attention is an action. Um, Noticing what you're noticing is an action. These are all subtle and yet powerful actions. It's almost like the more subtle the action, the more powerful it is. I, I, I'm a, I studied physics, and it's almost like um, the, the uh, you know, if you take a piece of wood and you light it on fire, it gives off this burning energy, amount of energy that you can boil some water with it. If you took that same piece of wood and put it through some kind of, a, of, a, of a, um, like an atomic reaction, you know, it would blow up part of the forest. But if you took that same amount of mass and put it through a nuclear reaction, so you go from the outside of this chemical bond versus chemical bonds between molecules, and then it's this bond between the electrons and the, and the nucleus, but then you start blowing up the nucleus, you would take out a whole city. I mean, there's this huge amounts of energy the more subtle you go. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is that... Um, the more subtle the energy that you start noticing, the, the, the larger consequences you can, you can navigate. So it begins at these, these subtle actions, like placing your attention and listening to the kinds of stories that you're making up about the things that might happen later in the day, and so on. These are all actions. To be identified means that when you act, You don't separate between yourself and your action. You regard your actions as true, as if that one particular action were the only possible solution in response to the present circumstances. That's what it means to be identified with the action. It's so natural for us to sort of behave the way that we can ordinarily behave. And this, Uh, this assumption, the assumption that that you are behaving the only way that it's possible to behave is a hugely powerful assumption that blocks off completely different futures that could be happening starting in the very moment right now, which is where your power is to create, is right now. So blocking your potential to create right now by assuming that your action is the only possible action This is a huge force that shapes what's possible for you. I keep reading. We generally have no idea of the purpose we are serving through executing these actions. And we are usually blind or deaf to any feedback about these actions. And the feedback might come from people, but it's more often the feedback comes straight out of the universe. It's directly um, um, feedback from what we are creating in the moment. That's where all this feedback is coming. It's like driving down the road in a car. You get instant feedback from, from a tiny little movement in the steering wheel or the brakes or the accelerator. The feedback is instantaneous. We're, and so that's true in, in all parts of our life. The physical world, and the energetic world especially, and even the emotional world is giving us and the archetypal world is giving us all this feedback and we're ignoring it because we're identified with our assumption that what we're doing is the only possible thing we can possibly do. So for example, here's another part of how creative our mind is. We are massively creative when we ignore the fact that we restrict our conversation day in and day out to the same sh- subjects that we've spoken about ongoingly in our life. So it's a, it's a creative force of, of restriction, of minimalizing, of channeling, of narrowing what it is that we're engaging in the world is a huge force of creation power that we're doing largely by beginning in the way we, we, we think, we're, what we're allowed to think or speak about. Our conversations are normally comments about the weather or complaints about politicians or secrets about where and how to get the best stuff for the best prices at the best stores or complaints about our mates or our children, stories from the latest movies, stories from the news, complaints about the neighbors or relatives, complaints about our physical ailments, stories about sports. Stories about our investments or stories about our vacation, and that's it. We know that other people have a limited repertoire of conversation topics. We think that we do not, but we do. An interesting experiment is to start carefully observing and making note of the conversations that you start. Within one week, you may be quite astonished about what you discover in terms of the limited different kinds of conversations that you can start. There, so the next experiment, of course, would be to try to start other kinds of conversations that you never started before. And this is this this kind of experiment has no limit, it has no top end or it has no, no barrier on it, but it's clear that you've got barriers active determining what you can converse about with different people at different times. So it's great to notice that. We tend to assume that our actions are authentic. Most remarkably, we we pretend ignorance of the possibility that our action is merely a piece of dramatic theater that we produce. Uh, Let me just say that again we tend to assume that our actions are authentic so that's one whole book right there we seem to we assume that we're being authentic now if you if you if you look at other people around you if like for example get in a group of 3 and sit there with each other and one person looks at another person with a coach at their the third person is the coach at their side and the one person says you're not being authentic because because you're thinking about something and you're not recognizing that you're thinking about it. You're not being authentic because your left foot is moving and you don't even know what it's moving for. You're, you're not being authentic because uh, the, the, the way you're breathing is, is not enough for how much oxygen you actually need right now. So, you're suppressing your breathing. So, so and, and then change roles. So, you start becoming aware of the ways that you're not being authentic and how valuable the feedback and coaching is from your little team about indicating uh, possibilities for becoming more authentic and sharing that. So, that we just, that little, that little sentence, we tend to assume that our actions are authentic would open up this whole experiment that you could do in any team that you're in, online or offline. And I encourage you to do that. Please start researching. <clears throat> because all of this, all of this influences our ability to relate. I mean, I, I know that you've been with people who are not authentic and you wish they would be more authentic and you didn't have a way to relate with them about deepening the authenticity of your experience with each other. And so, possibly you didn't have a way to do it because you just were not familiar or accustomed to, d- to naming what is not authentic. And if you practice naming inauthenticity, the way to become authentic is to be authentic about your inauthenticity. If you can become more authentic about, God, I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not saying what's really going on for me. I'm not noticing what's really, I'm not sharing what's really going on for me. That makes you more authentic. So, so, and this relate, this totally impacts how we can relate with each other. So we'll get into that more, but I just wanted to open the door to this while we're there. Uh, excuse me, Leslie. You want to say something?
5: Yeah. Um, I live in. I live with a group of people, and we have meetings. And um, this has been going on a long time. I've I've been involved for twenty five years, and there is one person who I've always had uh, difficulty with, but pretty recently she told me that she felt that my hesitancy in talking is completely inauthentic because she assumes that uh, well yeah she assumes that i'm actually angry or uh some other thing is happening than just that i'm having a hard time expressing myself and i'm trying to you know just look at that. And, and this is exactly that, I think. Right. And I'm, you know, it's exactly
1: that. It's
5: it's difficult because I I don't know how to not be that way, but I have to just be where I am with expressing myself. I, I mean, I, I can't be different. I can, I can only, like you say, um, become more authentic about, my inauthenticity
1: yes and that would be being a different way yeah to, to oh. admit that put it on the table yeah. right so you get that so all of a sudden yeah, I, I,
5: what i mean is, yeah i can't just start expressing myself clearly and without hesitation because that's not where i am but i can do something different which is uh acknowledge it
1: yeah you can shift from a position to a process Mm. you can just make it into ongoing process instead of acting as if you know what's going on or acting as if you know that they know what's going on or don't know what's going on these are positions and if you shift into this process all of a sudden it opens up so many more dimensions so that's where we're going with this
5: Cool. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, I'm reading still. Most remarkably, we pretend ignorance of the possibility that our action is merely a piece of dramatic theater that we produce, the unacknowledged purpose of our performance is to suck anyone around us into agreeing that we are the victims of the circumstances of the situation. This is our performance. So I'm just gonna read that again. The unacknowledged, so most remarkably, we pretend ignorance, we pretend that we don't know that our actions are a piece of dramatic theater that we produce with the unacknowledged purpose that our performance is to suck anyone around us into agreeing that we are victims of the circumstances in the situation. And then we get, our purpose is to get other people to agree that we have no alternatives but to act as we do. And then, if we get confronted about an action, we are extremely creative in generating an endless stream of reasons and excuses to justify our action. We ourselves believe that our reasons and excuses are the logical and reasonable cause for our action. This is so amazing. I mean, that's what the, this whole section is called. <coughs> It's about amazing things about having a mind, this is what we're doing. For example, someone confronts us with breaking a time agreement and says, you are late. Without even thinking, we avalanche the person with our reasons. I'm so sorry, but the streets are not usually blocked up at this time of day. And just before I wanted to leave the house, my mother called with, with a report from the doctor, and she needs something from the pharmacy. You see, She can't drive there herself right now because she loaned her car to my brother who's looking for a job in the North, on and on. As if this all these reasons were worth something. As if the reasons were worth something. Um, As if our reasons were true and valid. But reasons are not true and valid. Reasons are just reasons. You can have as many reasons as you want, 10 cents a dozen. So, so this, is, this will start opening up more cans of worms. You know, I mean, each one of these themes is, is huge in our lives. And the whole, this whole ability to consider being a person who doesn't rely on reasons as a way to defend or cover up uh, our actions, or leave a confusing field, like to create a confusion around us with reasons, a whole cloud of confusion with reasons, changing the subject into all these reasons. Mm, this is so natural for the mind to do, which is controlled by other factors, you know, it's that we have these hidden purposes behind our theater pieces, but the whole reasonableness of our interactions is this, is a an unconscious theater and so this part is it's what we're going to do here is we we will be starting to put this stuff on the table to look at because these dimensions of human interaction are subtle and plentiful and these are each one is a doorway to open up a whole transformative um, uh, shift in the way that we're interacting with each other and at first it's not pretty at first you have to go holy shit, I just gave five reasons. And and that will be after you already gave the five reasons. And the person across from you is so disconnected from you because they're involved in your reasons and you're involved in your reasons when in fact there's something entirely else going on between you. And so it's it's the entire something else that's going on that is probably most interesting, most intimate, but we're distracting ourselves in reasons. And reasons is just one of the many dimensions that the mind can concoct for um, like extracting us from actual intimacy. We can, we can have this mind games going on with so many people. And even people that like Leslie was talking about, like people that we live with or people that we meet with on an ongoing basis, people who are close to us and we're interacting with these mental things instead of what's really going on. I will keep, uh, so Jeff, do you have your hand up? Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I, I'd like to ask for clarity. So I, I'm, as I listen to you, I'm, I'm wondering if, you're, if the suggestion is that there is neither authenticity nor inauthenticity in action, it, that there is just, it's just neutral. And the authenticity or inauthenticity comes in our interpretation of the action, or if that action is just totally inauthent- inauthentic, and we if if are not coming to terms with that creates the inauthenticity in the intellectual aspect of ourselves. I don't know if if that makes sense, but
1: I mean, it's not actions are neutral, but it's not what i'm trying to point at here is the is what's behind the actions is the pur- purpose the intention and mostly it's unconscious intention you know you can have a conscious intention behind an action for example to put your hand out to shake your hand with somebody but the quality of the way someone shakes your hand you can t- you can tell a whole you know a chapter of a person's life just by the way they shake your hand you know in 2 seconds so this is what we're talking about there's an action and then there's the the subtleties behind the action and that's where we're trying to get to here okay
2: so the unawareness of that action produces the inauthenticity for you
12: the,
1: there's this whole chapter, it's not such a long chapter, I don't think, but this whole chapter is full of multiple dimensions of things that we could become more aware of. So it isn't as simple as the, as, the, as being unaware of the purpose of the action. There's, there's a lot more going on besides that. And there's technologies behind it. So giving a reason or thinking of reasons as real or valid is a whole technology that you can undo in yourself and you can start recognizing the manufacturing of reasons inside of yourself then horribly you start you start recognizing the manufacturing of reasons that other people are doing and trying to put on you and this this is disturbing because it's so dominant it's such a frequent thing to have people trying to give you reasons and And then when you stand aside from the reason, so somebody offers you a reason and you stand aside and let the reason go past without giving it any weight, no validity, you stay in contact with this person and you don't react the way they expect you to react because the reason should cause some kind of reaction in you and it does not, then all of a sudden you're in a whole new connection with them that that can be also upsetting for the other person. They can get afraid of you. Like, are you, are you even human? I just told you that my watch is broken. Don't you get it? This is a real thing. And, you, and you're just going, hey, buddy, you know, and it doesn't convince me. There's, it has no value, your reason. So, and this is just one, one of the things. So what, what we're doing here is opening up door after door after door of other dimensions of, of Ways that we uh, lock ourselves from interaction, from from being present, from like mutual presence, like mutual um, mutually experienced presence with each other, is it can be blocked by reasons. So so this is this is meant to be a collection a collection of really bad news. So if you just and each one should call forth experiments. You know, so Leslie, for example, can start doing experiments about admitting that, that sh- uh, her, she's in a process rather than having a position about this thing. And she can put that process on the table. And then all of a sudden people won't know who Leslie is anymore because Leslie has changed from something they thought they knew or understood into this, this event, She's a, this process, you know, she's, in, she's unfolding or digesting or transforming or she's involved in in, in, in something else. And then this opens up whole new, new things. Jeff, you still have your mic open. Did you want to say something?
4: I, I just want to say, this, I, it makes me feel really glad to hear this because the way it's landing in me is a call for simplicity in living because the complexity is what doesn't allow us to um, to be aware of, of, of aspects of our, of our actions because there's just too much and our, our body can only handle so much awareness. And so I just wanted to share that. Thank you.
1: Great, thank you. So here's this next paragraph. <clears throat> we invoke these detailed, intricate, Involved, emotionally charged, and undeniably clever theatrical performances to attract.
3: Going to work to work. You did a great job clearing the deck. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Somebody has their mic on. Could you uh, mute, please? I
3: know. <laughs> I'm not sure who
1: it is.
6: Okay. Oh,
1: got it. I'll say it again we invoke these detailed, intricate, involved, emotionally charged and undeniably clever theatrical performances to attract our own attention away from paying attention to our own attention so that we cannot self observe and begin to notice our motivations and true intentions which may not be as pretty or high-minded as we might like to think they are. Being thus identified or distracted, we prevent ourselves from realizing that what look like hard, immutable circumstances forcing us to act a certain way are only solid-looking when viewed from a certain specially chosen and unique perspective. We ignore the fact that we have carefully edited and formulated our perspective. Um, I used a word in there called self-observation. I just want to, I think I get into it later, but I just want to define what that is. So we have this capacity for attention and normally as adults we we have heard the phrase to pay attention and and that means we can place our attention on a certain thing and that's being called paying attention. The the thing called self-observation relies on a second skill that we have with attention which is called splitting attention, to split your attention into Being able to pay attention to more than one thing at the same time. I think we mentioned this uh, on one of the other talks, which was just this thing about, for example, I use the example you're riding your bicycle down the road takes a lot of attention. Chewing gum at the same time also takes attention. Listening to the radio while you're chewing gum and riding your bicycle down the road also takes attention. Thinking about your plant, your shopping list, and noticing the shop windows, and also flirting with the guys or gals that you pass on the other bicycles. So this is splitting your attention six different ways. And we do it easily. We do it ongoingly, but it's unconscious. We just absentmindedly um, split our attention. And the idea with self-observation is to intentionally, consciously, in full awareness, split your attention Split off a piece of your attention, stick it out away from you, and then turn it around and have it watch you. So, in a way, uh, it's helpful to have these pictures of ourselves on the screen because in the, you can see other people, but then you can also see yourself. So, there's a tiny bit of your attention, and sometimes not so tiny, that's paying more attention to looking at yourself than it is to look at all the other people. You know what I'm saying? It's like this technology gives you a chance to have uh, a a relatively neutral view of yourself from a perspective that's outside of yourself, from this camera. So that's what we're talking about, paying attention to all these dimensions of, in particular, what you're doing with your attention. So paying attention to what you're doing with your attention gives you a chance to see what you're creating and why. This is called self-observation. And the main criteria for self-observation is that it be neutral. That you do not judge yourself, criticize yourself, blame yourself, make fun of yourself, be embarrassed about yourself. At the time that you're doing this self-observation, it needs to be absolutely neutral. You're just noticing. You notice what you're noticing. Uh, Michelle, did you have your hand up? I did not. Okay, thanks. Good. So, so, okay, that's what I mean by self observation. And I hope that starting now, starting, starting with some of these details about, um, what we're doing with reasons, for example, or, or the the theater that we might start to be doing is to start to, to split off your attention and start ongoingly notice yourself with a split part of your attention. Please do not try this while you're driving in a car, for example, because because then you, you know, it takes a lot of attention to drive a car. And if you start putting part of your attention over somewhere else where you're you're noticing how you're driving the car, you might miss some stuff. So do this at other times besides driving a car for a while. In a few years, you can do it while you're driving the car. Then you'll notice who's driving the car, you or your gremlin, but right now, just uh, don't do it while you're driving, okay? Okay, I wanna, I wanna read at least one more section before we, we talk for a minute. It's about the show, it's called Our Show. Our perspective is a powerful editor. So we, so we have this, the way we formulate how we see what we see is called our perspective. And it's a powerful editor, it includes certain views and it excludes others. Our perspective frames up a set of interpretations which, when applied to the facts, twist them into enemies. This permits us to assess that we are, quote unquote, in a situation or that we, quote unquote, have a problem, and that we are justified. No, we are forced to act as we act to deal with this quote unquote problem. We think we are confined victims, trapped quote unquote in a situation, victims quote unquote of a problem, rather than seeing that moment to moment, we are generating and directing the problem. And our victimhood quote unquote victimhood as a theatrical performance. So we're doing this stuff as a theatrical performance. For example, when stopped by the police for speeding, you might start the show, oh officer, I was speeding, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I just remembered that I have to iron my shirt before the speech I'm supposed to give at seven o'clock at the children's hospital, about using magnets to cure hydrocephalus. Now this is, my, this is something you might tell to the policeman after he stops you for speeding. You know, and by then he's so like caught up in, oh, you're giving a speech about healing children's hydrocephalus. You know, oh my God, I'm stopping you from ironing your shirt. You know, this is a theatrical performance. The truth is quite different from what we make out of the truth. The truth is not that we are victims of situations and problems, but rather that we, are, that we source our situations and problems through the interpretations that we make. We spend our, di- our days and probably our nights acting center stage in a show that we wrote the script for, set the stage for, and for which We have rehearsed and played one or more parts repeatedly for most of our lives. It is our favorite show. We arrange things so that we get to play out our best loved characters. And we don't want anyone to know that we are having this much fun, especially ourselves. Part of the show, is that we develop and profess some opinion of ourselves, some self-image that concludes that we are perhaps to some degree creative, or maybe not very creative at all. We assume that some people are more creative than others, so we might even consider taking a class to improve our creativity. Yet every action we take is absolutely creative. Every word we speak Every thought we think, every energetic or physical gesture, every facial or tonal expression, every emotion we feel, the qualities of every experience, every place we put our attention or fail to put our attention, every condition we see or understand or fail to see or fail to understand, every interpretation we make is an act of creation made to serve a purpose we are either conscious of the purpose we serve for example quote unquote you are late quote yes i broke my commitment to be on time or we are serving unconscious purposes for example you are late i am late oh maybe so but not by very much maybe my watch is a little slow you were late last time we met anyway i had some important things to do So that would be an unconscious purpose. Serving conscious or unconscious purposes is neither right nor wrong, neither good nor bad. Serving conscious or unconscious purposes simply produces different results in our relationships. In either case, we are just creating. It is all theater. All of our theatrical performances are overlaid onto a completely neutral universe. The universe does not care what we do with our time and energy. The thing I wanted to add that I didn't mention in here is not only is what we're doing theater, but we go, we 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 select our audience for our theater. So each and every one of you could walk into a party where there's 300 people in a in a room at a party or a dinner and you could select within about 30 seconds you could select somebody to play out an exact any kind of theater piece with you that you're wanting to to create right then you would find a rescuer or a victim or somebody who's like your dad so you can do your thing with them or your mom or you can find out you know we're so good at scanning and picking out people from a distance to, to fit into the theater piece that we want to put on. I just wanted to add that in. as one of our amazing talents. <laughs> Holy simoleons. Okay, any, any questions or comments or anything up for anybody right now?
0: Yeah um
5: we select our audience and we find a rescuer or a a victim or a persecutor because we're already tuned into that that theater and okay and what if that's true <laughs> I don't know as I want to say yeah. So, I've done that. Um, yeah. And I I don't I don't know. I even want to give an example, but I don't know. Go ahead. I was in a situation where oops. I saw somebody a man do something with a child that i thought was inappropriate and so maybe i was looking for a perpetrator and i was the rescuer and there was the victim and and i reported it to people i thought would could do something about it and i felt that their response to me was that that I was I was coming in as a rescuer and creating this low drama scene and and I still think that it was something worth discussing you know I I still have this sense about it that people weren't willing to discuss whether it was appropriate or not, or, or, I mean, they did discuss, they, they didn't think it was inappropriate. So, yeah. So there was an incident and I, I called it and then I, I never did stop feeling like the, I don't know, the rescuer turned victim or whatever,
0: you know. Exactly. It's a mess.
1: I think think what you just put on the table was complicated enough to be a fine example of the mess that we're in. Because to try to have a conversation about what you just described, would be all these opinions and all these, you know, even if there was a video of the interactions of the, of the persecution and the interactions of you trying to call in more powerful rescuers than yourself, you know, if there were, even, even if we could look at those videos from multiple angles and hear what people said, um, even then there would be opinions. Even then there would be different, all these stories and projections and expectations and assumptions and conclusions and like reasons. It would be, it's a mess. And so um, a lot of where this is going is it has to do with what is it that we are interested in creating? What are you trying to create And, and why? And the more of what you can create in terms of, uh, a conscious purpose the more the more awareness that you have of the factors that are involved in producing the results of your life the more options you have to choose something else and that that's where we're going with this is what, there are so many options we have to choose from that we may not realize we could choose them that that once we start becoming aware that they are options and can start choosing them whole new territories open up for us in our interactions. So that, that's what really is that that's about. So, so um, we're not, you know, it's, it's not going to end up that we have an absolute uh, right and wrong or truthful answer about this should have gone that way or, or this should not have gone that way or yes, you're right or no, you're wrong and all that. It's not gonna end up that way. What's, what's supposed to happen is it'll start triggering off different parts of your awareness and go, yeah, I never really focused on that before. What if I pay more attention to that? Or I'm gonna try this experiment and I'm gonna, I'm going to see if I can bring, um, bring, let this thing, you know, continue to go in a way without controlling it, for example. I'm just going to be silent instead of where I would normally speak. There's so many ways to conjure the interactions that um, and it will be a mess for a while. It will really be a mess to uh, people. People won't know why you're behaving so weird if you start doing these experiments. People will think you you they won't know who you are and, and then they don't. They don't actually know who you are they just assume that they know who you are because you you tend to to repeat your behaviors to match their picture of you and whatever doesn't match they can normally ignore but if you start really behaving consistently in ways that are inconsistent with their picture of you then then things get wobbly and it's it will be like that for a while you may lose some friends during the course of the study group you have to kind of consider that as a possibility because you stop playing out the role that their that their role needs you to play for their for their role to continue it's just going to happen like that so but the the point is that there's this mysteriousness in in the in the vast complexity of options that we're not aware that we're not choosing there's this there's this mysteriousness about it if i could tell you of an option and you become aware of an option that you're not choosing and you start choosing that all of a sudden you have power in a domain that you didn't even know existed before. And this is, this is a lot of what we can do for each other. And, and I'm, I just wanna reflect that, that there could be uh, pr- emotional processes coming up while you experiment with these things. Don't, don't hesitate to call each other and say, I need a new, I'd like an emotional process. Something's up, I don't even know what it is, but I, I, can we just do this? And please keep doing that with each other. This will, this will help uh, unleash the, the little dams, the little blockades and blocks and things that are in the way uh, that um, keep us thinking and being the same way that we've thought and been up till now. So please keep, keep doing that. Doris.
12: And what if... Because this morning I was sitting there and seeing all my <clears throat> fantasy world, all the layers and stuff, what I'm able to see. And it's it's such a mess. It's so big. It's this, what you're describing right now, it's so huge. And seeing that, it's still sometimes overwhelming me. With all the feeling, all what is connected. All my world I, I was in so long, so sometimes I feel like sitting there and seeing all that and just don't know what.
10: Sometimes I don't know how to handle it. Yeah,
1: I would encourage you to try to remember the things that you see. Because it's so easy to try to block them because the story, the story is, it's so much. That's a story, right? God, it's so much, oh my God, it's, I don't get it, it's so much, and then And then you forget (laughs) forget what you just saw and you stay the same. So the, the point is to let it hurt, to let it shock you, to let the incredibleness stay in you as long as possible, to stay in the pain as long as possible, okay? So the overwhelm thing is just one of the strategies to brainwash yourself into, oh, it's too much, or I won't get it, or it's confusing. Yeah. Let me I'm going to read the next section, and, and maybe even the next two sections. I think that will add some more possibilities into the conversation here. Here we go. This next part is called directing free will. It is amazing that we would submit the authority of our free will to the service of unconscious purposes. I'll just say that again. It is amazing. So this, this whole section is called, it, um, it's about being amazed that we have a mind. You know, it's, it's called some amazing things about having a mind and so it's amazing that we would submit the authority of our free will to the service to be in the service of unconscious purposes it's a free will and we're going to we're going to have it become a robot or some kind of a, a a machine it's amazing that we would do it but we do it because directing our free will to serve unconscious purposes creates conditions that feel most familiar to us and seem to best guarantee our survival. A lot of times the reason for this goes back to survival and survival is a condition that we need to really watch out for up until we're about 18 years old at which time authentic initiatory processes start questioning Our strategies for survival because each one is a kind of a straitjacket. It's a kind of a prison. It's a kind of a a lockdown. And so we can't get out of the lockdown until we see it as a lockdown. So one of the ways we lock ourselves in is by submitting our free will to unconscious purposes because it feels more comfortable. And that means that we'll survive. The point being, there's this huge difference between surviving and living and, and to focus on survival, you know, you can't argue with it. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, most people in the world will continue to survive for their entire life and then die, not really having had a chance to live. And so surviving, you know, as long as you have kids or, I don't know, I don't know what else there is that's, it's like as long as you make it through a certain amount of time, you, you know you you fulfill certain purposes that are 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 not even your purpose. You know you pay your taxes or whatever. But there's there are whole dimensions that are locked down by staying in survival. That that uh, most we. Most people can't communicate. People can't even tell us about what is life, what is living about. If I've been surviving, what is living? If up till now, I've been playing small, staying quiet, being predictable, being knowable, being trying to be myself, you know, so that everybody knows who I am so that they can, so I can have friends or, or whatever survival technique we were using. Okay, well, what is living then? So we need to look at the ways we're not living before the living part can, can wake up. And one of those ways is to submit our free will to unconscious purposes, okay, so that we can survive. The conditions of survival feel most familiar because we are serving what we consider to be ourselves, which is just to survive, which is to keep going. When unconscious purposes direct our free will, we continue to put on the show that we have always put on. This way we play out one role so thoroughly that no other roles are visible to us. We use our identification with that role, such as a housewife or the man of the house or the brother or the daughter or the husband, you know, like that. We play this role, we, get identi- we use our identification with the role to forget that it is only a role and to exclude or minimize all the other possible roles that are ours to play out and enjoy, such as lover, friend, partner, artist, woman, explorer, queen, sorceress, chef, business associate, author, Alchemist, warrior,ist goddess, healer, and so on. These are all other possible roles that we play. The one role that we're familiar with, so that these other roles are not available to us. So that we, because our our standard, our our strategy to that point has been to survive, and it has already worked. If we change our strategy, it might not work. So we block all the other roles. And the roles can change moment to moment. It's not like a one-role deal. Directing our free will to serve conscious purposes does not feel safe because we have no role to hide within. Serving a conscious purpose puts us at risk for being responsible for serving something greater than ourselves. We do not cannot know how to serve something greater than ourselves is that clear we don't know how to serve something greater than ourselves you can't know cuz it's greater than yourself i was just talking with cloy the other day uh, yesterday about how how you know i i scan for people when i'm walking through town i'm scanning for people that i can't see you know if i if i can look at a person and i can see oh yeah That's their dad, that's their mom, that's their projection, that's their fear, that's their um, survival strategy. You know, if I can see all that, then then, um, it's very different from if I look at somebody and they're up to something that I can't see. It's like they're functioning in a different role, have a different consciousness or different awareness that might be more aware than me. So I'm looking for people that I can't see, and those are the people I want to go talk to. I I go around scanning for people I can't see. So you can try that. And as soon as you find somebody who you you can't see, you just don't get them, walk up to you and shake their hand and say, hello, can I interview you for my radio show? I have some really important questions to ask you about what you're up to. to. And just make up some bullshit so you can go talk to them because you know they're up to something else they're not they're not if you can see somebody and they look normal either they're really good and they're putting on the normal show or they really are normal but if you see somebody and you just can't you can't focus on there's just either they're either they're borderline schizophrenic or there's really some consciousness going on that would be quite lead to quite an interesting conversation so that that's a, an invitation Because you cannot know how to serve something greater than ourselves. So it is necessary, if 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 you're letting your free will serve something greater than yourself, it is necessary to continuously reinvent yourself in order to handle the jobs that get put on your bench. This is by the way, preparations work for jacking into your archetypal lineage, which is also where we're going with all this. is like your archetypal lineage is going to give you stuff to do that you won't know how to do, but it knows that you know how to do it. You just have to be a little different. You have to reinvent yourself in a certain way to do the job that gets put on your bench. We can always detect if we are serving a conscious or unconscious purpose by the quality of the results that are created. For example, if you said you would take out the garbage tonight and you fail to take out the garbage tonight, then even though you thought you were serving the conscious purpose of integrity about taking the garbage out tonight, you're actually serving the unconscious purpose of betrayal. The results do not lie. This is a one of the cool things about the universe that we're in is that it is a responsible universe. And uh, there's such a thing as karma and the results don't lie. So there's this huge feedback generator around us. Okay, anybody have anything now? Anybody want to talk about something now? This is wild stuff we're talking about, this is, and I'm,
0: I'm glad. Yeah. I feel some fear
6: to, I don't really know what I'm going to say right now, but Yay. the uh, I've gotten, when I presented the idea of like authenticity compared with inauthenticity to one of my mentors before, like he's, he has a background in clowning and his thing was like, there's really, there's no such thing as inauthenticity. Like, I think it's just a perspective from a different game world. But my sense is that what he was coming from was like, there's a, like he places a value on the kind of, the unconscious, like creating circumstances for the unconscious to move through a person into expression so as to gain uh, new dimensions of, like uh, ability to, uh, to to act, I guess with consciousness, like like new new ability to to move in in self expression. And I d- I don't think he has so much a distinction around. Uh... Well, well I guess I guess I'm like I feel some fear because. I guess my question is, is like, is this part of the process? Is sort of like acting from the unconscious. Uh, and letting that move me I don't know maybe I'm answering my own question it seems it seems that that is part of the process is like moving like yes I want to move like I personally I want to move with conscious intention and I want to allow myself to be moved by undercurrents so as to allow for wildness in my life but not not be like owned by my unconscious. Uh, I don't know if there's a question in there, but
1: I, doesn't matter. I, yeah. I think a lot of the people I think a lot of us have had the experience of this question. Um, getting to this place where it is my is this fake or is it real? When you when it starts when you start becoming aware of how much of the show has been running. Your life, and this is what it was for me. And then to question: Is this real or is this the show? Because if we're not aware of the purpose, then it's the show. Okay, well, which purpose? There's there's subtle and there's layer after layer of purpose going on. What purpose is it really? And this, I mean, sometimes I find I have found myself just completely dead in the water. You know, not really frozen from fear, but just listless, like, uh, like. purposeless like in a way and just for me the experiment if you find yourself that way I mean don't do this while you're driving okay but like if you find yourself this way just just wait just really wait I mean I I did this experiment I just I laid down on the floor and I just said I'm not moving till I move from a conscious purpose I'm not moving till I do what I want to do really and I was there for a few hours and before Mm -hmm. I you know, I scratched my nose or I got up to get a drink of water and then I went back and laid down again and waited again. So this is a super in- investigation or inquiry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Jeff, were you going to say something? I think I also saw Callista's hand up. Callista, did you? Okay. Yes, I uh, put my hand up
10: i was really appreciated that the that the universe is a neutral universe and the sentence that spoke to me is the universe does not care what we do with our time and energy and for me that is so a sense of freedom of of being who we want to be. I mean, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just a freedom to be ourselves, to be our responsible selves and not trying for me, trying so hard to be right or to do good, but just the freedom to do who I want to be.
1: You know, Thanks. I mean, this is really the Calista, This is really the center of, of this consideration because there's so much pressure and programming and social forces for us to, for example, even even be uh, a capitalist. And it's like time is money, and and you're sitting there, and you, you what did you produce? What have you produced? and to not produce you know, and to and to not justify these 10 minutes or five seconds for, uh, you know the produced capital or it's, you're wasting time and money is it's like it's such a force in our lives that to take your to take your life back out of that is huge and it's up and, we, and it's part of this it's central to this, especially in, in modern culture it's It's our job to extract ourselves from the capitalist patriarchal empire, or we will never get to next culture you can't you can't bring it with you and so I think it's really central to what you're saying is to go, really, the universe is not going to judge me for not even getting out of bed until seven o'clock at night okay, all right, all right, what's going on here? What's going on is I don't know what's going on. I don't, I'm not even going to make up reasons for what's going on. I just stayed in bed till seven o'clock at night. And you know, this is like, uh, Scott was mentioning this whole, whole fear of what kind of a wildness could come out of us. I mean, every now and then, every now and then there's, uh, we can get access to some glimpse of life before the capitalist patriarchal empire perhaps in some indigenous culture, where, where, uh, I mean, I was in Ecuador one time and uh, I was going on a ayahuasca journey into the jungle around the Amazon. And there, it was, it was in the middle of the, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning, people were wandering around, it's dark. And then they were eating stuff and hanging out and vomiting and, you know, just amazing, I just didn't fit in my world and yet, and yet they were completely okay with it and so was the universe. And that was, the, they didn't get punished, they didn't get docked, you know, you didn't get sent to your room or, just people didn't make up like crazy stories about each other. It was it was life in the jungle at three or four o'clock in the morning and whoa. So every now and then we get a glimpse of that and I, I think there's a um, a wildness to to living that, we have long packed away. We really, out of out of subtle and pointless fears um, about conforming to social forces and other people's expectations or stories or th- this whole thing we're talking about, their image of us and meeting that. So thank you for, this is great. Thank you. Somebody else, um, Jeff, were you going to say something again?
4: Well, I, I wrote it in the chat, but I, I've, um, I I'd like to propose to Scott that there's no difference between a gremlin feeding time and this sort of allowing the unconscious state to be, but within consciously within constrained period blocks of time so that you get to experience this unconscious wildness and not let it rule your existence.
1: Great. That's a great experiment. Thank you.
0: Great. Thank you.
1: Somebody else right now, something.
2: Yes. I'm going to speak because I don't know exactly what I'm going to say and I want to practice speaking with fear and not knowing. I, I first thought, but the universe does care because the universe responds. And, and then when I, when I kept listening, I just remembered this sense of fear in me of needing to make sense to some kind of big power outside of me that I couldn't really give a face to and say what it was. And and feeling very, very, yeah, feeling very afraid. And I also did that experiment of just sitting under a tree and being prepared to sit there for a day, if that would be what it takes to find an authentic impulse. And I also drove myself nearly crazy with trying to find out what an authentic impulse would be. And.
1: I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, next time, don't even sit under a tree. I mean, it's understandable if you're sitting under a tree, but if you're not sitting even under a tree, then what?
2: Yes. And it, it can be a mindfuck to wonder about what authentic would be, and I'm actually curious what is the fuel behind that question, at least in my case. And I think that's actually again trying to like be authentic so that I can please the universe. And yeah, I also see it like in the nonviolent communication community, there's this whole thing about authenticity. And there's many people that like don't dare to speak because they want to be sure that they're authentic. And then mm-hmm. Uh, In my case, and in some of their cases, I just see it as a defense strategy to, like, not go out there and get feedback. So I think the most, um, yeah, in my case, like the most playful thing that I come up with is just do things and try not censor myself too much. It can get in quite a mindfuck loop, this stuff. Yeah,
1: and that's not the point. That is not the point because your mind is not going to figure it out. That's the point of this. This whole section is, it's amazing what the mind can do to us. The point is not to get lost in there. The point, and the mind is not going to figure it out. And at the same time, if you don't think about it and pay attention and notice what you're noticing and notice what you're noticing with, you're also not going to get out. I mean, the, the next, the next section is called being a character. And let me just see if I can read this before our formal end time. Here we go. We think we have no other choice but to act as we do. We create this illusion for ourselves by thinking we have an identity that is real, permanent, solid, and cannot shift, and which has a fixed set of quote-unquote needs. But this is all internal politics, whichever identity happens to be in power in the moment, gets to determine which quote-unquote needs are quote-unquote real and should be met. To To wreck the identification game, do this experiment of naming your identities. Naming is a powerful alchemical act. By giving a name to something that did not have a name before, You change the thing from invisible to visible, from subjective to objective, from unconscious to conscious, from background to foreground. By clearly naming an identity, you bring people's attention to the option of shifting to a different identity. By changing the identity of the moment, you change the needs of the moment. For example, You can name your own identities in order to catch yourself in the act. This means get out your beat book, open up a page in the back, and start making a list of your identities. I had about 17 the the last time I did this. 17 different identities. You may identify characters such as the whiner, the judge, the complainer, the victim, the glutton, the perfectionist the head chopper, the sneaky one, the miser, and so on. Or you can use naming to open doorways through which you can then step and thus shift your identity in that moment. One way to open a doorway is to say something that the new character might say, such as, and, I'm, and this is the use of more archetypal body, I didn't, I, didn't, I, s- I didn't identify it back here in the book, but you can use your ident- uh, archetypal body and you can name archetypal characters. You can give those things names. So you can say something like, enter the dragon, and then, then let something speak through you. you know, and let something else speak and you will have different set of needs than you did just a moment before. You can say, may I present the goddess? you could say jameson at your service madam or you can say which way to kilimanjaro you know you can say choose your weapon or you can say what have we here sherlock has any you can say has anybody seen my ferrari keys you know every time every time you say you open up a new character for yourself and a new possibility to step into both for yourself and the other person, and all of a sudden, the whole circumstance that looked impossible before uh, was is just dissolves. It's just not there. You slide sideways into a different space that has different possibilities. You can also open doorways through which to shift identity without saying anything. For example, if you are going to bed with your partner at night and you feel the same old evening pattern arising, shift identity. For example, change the timing of your entry into the room, take a different posture, like crawl in the room or strut in the room or limp into the room or walk in backwards or come in with your eyes closed or with a towel wrapped around your head. Come in with your sunglasses on. Or use a different breathing pattern, put on or take off different pieces of clothing, change your mood. Beat up the teddy bear. Sing. If while you are practicing, practicing shifting identities, your partner thinks that you have gone nuts, tell them that before now you were only pretending not to be nuts and that you think they will get used to it. The idea is to reveal yourself, yourselves, rather than waiting around for your partner to reveal themselves first. It is crucial to remember that revealing yourself does not involve complaining, gossiping, blaming, or talking about money or other people or the president. Revealing yourself is about getting present and letting yourself be authentically known. You may not be able to manage this the first time you try it. So plan to keep experimenting. In terms of our formal end time, that would be now. Uh, We will stop reading here at this point and the space is open for a little while for any questions or conversation that anyone would like to. And if you need to go now, well then thank you for coming by and thank you for participating and we'll see you some other time hopefully.
13: Hi everyone, it's Katherine. Hi Catherine. And hi, Mia wanted me to share, so I'm gonna be starting a joy club and I have been recently doing a laughter club and she's been coming and she says, Catherine, this is a joy club, please offer it to the Expand the Box group. So it's an experiment to see how it can integrate here. I do it on Wednesdays, it's free. It's at noon um, Eastern standard time, and I can send it in the WhatsApp group, the flyer with the Zoom link. So I welcome everybody to my new joy club. (laughs) Yay. Thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. I
2: have yeah i have been pondering a question and i would enjoy a perspective on it it's about money it's about that i have understood and i understand the showing of investment with money for coming to a training of expand the box for example and then just thinking so it needs to be an investment enough for people to commit to being there And then thinking, then it almost sounds like we equate having money to being responsible. And that doesn't make sense to me in the sense, only in the sense that I know that there are some really rich people that made their money in really irresponsible ways. So I am, yeah, investigating this topic uh, of investment being equal to paying money for something. I wonder if there's other ways. I'm aware that I'm probably coming partially still from a victim scarcity mindset around this, but still this thing of making money irresponsibly. And yeah, I would love to hear something about this to get more clear.
1: Yeah, I would propose that you see if there's anybody else interested in that theme and then taking, having, creating your own little space for that, including uh, emotional healing processes around it or through it. So you, you might want to ask for that, see if there's three or four people who would like to do that journey with you. Cause it's, I, I recommend it profitably and I don't think we would do it justice in a, a just a conversation here as some concepts.
2: Yeah. Okay. Is there anybody interested in exploring consciousness and money as a topic and see how it's related? Nicole, and Scott. Cool. And Crystal. 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 And Lisa. Lisa, Nicole, Scott and
10: Crystal. Okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you.
10: I'm not in the WhatsApp group. So if you want to contact
0: me, I will write my email. Okay. Ashley, how's it going over there? I'm doing well, thank you. (laughs) Hey, everybody.
1: Doing well would be one level of answer. It's like, what are you up to? Like what, how did, how did the conversation today land in you?
9: Um, I guess I'm still reflecting on a lot. I actually just started reading your book, uh, like maybe yesterday. So, um, yeah, just, just, just listening. Um, I'm not sure I have much to add right now, actually, but
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Lisa, how about you?
9: I am feeling a mix of um, energy and sadness and movement in some places and stuckness in others. And I have I'm still in this place of um, struggling, and it reminds me a little bit of what Leslie said you know, this place, and I brought it up in this group a couple of weeks ago, where I am in this patriarchal world, interfacing with it in an intentional way. I'm really actively committed to shaping a different kind of work relationships um, that I could also, you know, that could support my own existence, but also shift things as well. It's interventional. And I understand and feel how it gets into this confused space very easily around the drama triangle and rescuing and victim and perpetrator. And I struggle on a daily basis with, you know, the game world problem. It's a it's they're two separate game worlds. And I am living in, I'm, I'm, I've got to interface. My role is to interface with that other space and those tools or language and conceits and mechanisms. I am choosing to use out of a purpose and it is a very uncomfortable space and a space of doubt at times. And at other times it's like that is the that that's that becomes a a, a tool to get through, because otherwise it doesn't get through. It's too weird, you know, it's too foreign, it's not truly an invitation when it's so far out um, in its own space. And when it's so, um, if I, I identify too much with either system, it becomes a space of being torn apart. And I, yeah, so that that's, that's where I am kind of to give you a sense of the shape of it. And so sometimes it feels stuck. Sometimes it feels like who, you know, am I you know, am I masquerading in some way that's not authentic or I start second guessing those interventions and the purpose around it or doubting it. And all all I, the one thing I come back to for some sense of, I don't know, balance or something like that is to resort to or return to the the tools you know of both separation and then integration so it's like the basic building block of creating structure and also existing in the formless at the same time and it's that's about all I've got to hold on to
0: can I ask you a question yes
1: when when will you take a stand for being an alchemist?
9: I think I already have.
1: As an alchemist, then, could you please talk about what you just told us as, as the alchemist?
9: As the alchemist, I am sitting with a tremendous amount of fear every day.
1: Is
0: it, and
9: I am functioning in that space.
1: Okay, of course. This is the home of an alchemist but you still have this tone in your voice like you're a victim of the fear. or am sad. Bad.
9: I'm sad about it. I you're am about sad it. about
1: it. You're sad about the fear. The,
9: the sadness fears. is about the lack of connection.
1: Okay, you're the alchemist. The
9: and that's fears. about being in the gap. <laughs> have, those are two different places. I, I want... I. I Again, I'm split. I want both. And I am in both.
1: That's why I'm talking to you like this. Because you don't get both. You get to be an alchemist or you get to pretend to be a human being. And for an alchemist to pretend to be a human being is quite painful. And for an alchemist to be afraid of fear, thinking that that, it's not the key ingredient to alchemy and that it's not your home, That's also painful.
0: You don't need to choose now, but at some point, you're going to need to choose if you're an alchemist or a human being. I'm going to sit on that one for a few days.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing that it's soft. Yeah. Miss Dominguez, we've heard several reports before you showed up about the wonderfulness of the space that you and Patrizio are holding for people. Can you justify yourself?
10: I declare that I am an alchemist, and I don't know how to do any of this,
8: and I am sitting in my 15 seconds of applause.
1: Thank you for giving so much to the people. We could really feel it. When this whole space opened up, people were glowing from what they were talking and sharing about.
8: Thank you. I'm sad I missed the beginning, and it was magic.
1: How do you attribute that? You know, to what do you attribute that? Hmm.
8: a long list of things, space holding, the distinctions, the evolution of the space and the bright principles and yeah, all of it.
1: Thank you. Horatio, can you report in from the Horatio-Etitzi department?
3: It is I, department. I came in late, um, and what I heard was devastating. Um, I realized, well, my intention for being here is to sit on a web and touch all the strings that I'm connected with. And to be one and feel the vibrations of it all. However, in saying that, I realize that my being here, showing up on the screen, is is a role. That I am playing a role of... of playing out my intentions, I guess, of trying to being authentic with my intentions, yet at the same time presenting myself within the confines of what I want it to be or what I want it to look like. And that is a reality of life. I mean, um, I do that going to the grocery store. I do that walking down the street. So this is not something new or something foreign. But in this venue, it's, it, it, it takes on greater gravity. So, so the devastation is... Is realizing that and um, sitting with it and going from there.
1: What's your plan? I mean, what's your? Do you have a strategy yet, or an experiment to try next?
3: Well, I was thinking that um, generally I sit back and listen, which I'm I'm very comfortable with. Um, I don't I don't feel as though that is because I. I I I recognize what I don't know. I recognize I recognize that to speak without having any anything to say is is no good. However, i I've, I was thinking, well maybe I'll commit to saying something every week. Whatever it might be, you know. Um, stub my toe. Uh the pancakes whatever just to to show up perhaps in a different in a different way i I don't know
1: i would i would propose one experiment you could try also which is i think every single time i've seen you on the screen you've been about four yards back so (laughs) i can't really see your eyes I i can't i can't see so You know, it doesn't have to be right now, but um, it would see what happens when you get so close that we can see the pores in your skin and just stay Mm. there. You know, let the sweat that's dripping down your forehead, let us see it. You know, like try that as an experiment is to to step into the limelight a little more and just, just watch what's going on for, you know, why is it that you would not be doing that? And mm. see, see where else and what other places you hang back and play it cool kind of out of reach and not so not so uh, visible not so it's more than visible not so vivid okay. vivid yeah hmm like you could try that as an experiment if you want
3: all right I will do that
1: <laughs> looking forward cool thank you that's great <laughs> Michelle, did you have something that that you want to throw out here? Are you sitting on
13: anything? I am. So I shared last Monday, I'm working now with uh, victims of sexual violence and right actually in between the call, I went offline because one of the ladies is on the way to her deposition to speak against the perpetrator and the company that covered it up. Unbelievable that this even is a real thing. And it is. And she was in so much fear and asked me, what do you suggest? I'm in so much fear. And I said, I suggest you melt. You go to your deposition and you melt. Oh, they're not going to scold me. They're not going to tell me that I cannot express, you know, that I cannot, can I cry? She was asking me permission, asking whether these lawyers in the deposition are going to let her cry. I, what is this? Fuck. And she just like, thank you. She was grateful that someone told her you can, Should, not should, can you? And I said, you have a daughter, yeah. Are you going to, you know, are you going to tell your daughter she can't cry if she's hurt? Someone hurt her? No. Okay, then. The level of control. I can't express with words how angry I feel about this. And hearing, I'm sorry, I lost, was it Lisa? Lisa? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
13: I just, uh, I was gonna leave the call earlier, and then I didn't, and listening to Lisa just, I'm bubbling and I'm enraged that this beautiful woman who's a mother actually, actually, Last night shared that this wasn't the first time she was sexually attacked at the workplace in the U.S., plus her uncle when she was eight years old. It's the third time in her lifetime. How do these people survive this, Clinton?
1: Yeah, it's one of these... Scary things to consider because this whole part of the that we were reading today—I don't know if you were there—but the theater of it is the the unconscious theater of of creating the situ the quote-unquote situations and problems and, and the the circumstances that we're trapped in and creating those and why. the unconscious purposes that we're fulfilling as to why we would concoct these things is that's what we were putting on the table today is to start looking at the role, you know, the role, the character that we play. And we're just beginning to get into that. I see that the the next section we're rolling into next week is called section four B it's called playing the victim. And so, and it's huge. This is a huge, uh, you know, thing to uh, put on the table and go. Hold on, you know, I was sexually abused. Oh, were you now? You know, it's like, okay, how did that happen? Actually, like who? And so this is a whoa. This is a big thing to take a look at. So thank you for opening the door for us about that stuff. Not one pretending thing. To, what? Not pretending to have a position or answers over here but I am questioning um, the, 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 the strategy of it. Go ahead.
13: One thing that came up for me yesterday when speaking with her and she was sharing about the guilt and shame about how it's all her fault, even when she was 10, it's all an eight and 10 and all her fault and that shame and guilt piece. Hence, that's why she did not go to court last Monday, even though she was subpoenaed, all of that being forced to go to court and all that. And one thing that came up for me was to tell her, you have nothing to learn from this. And this might not be very popular right now for me to share. And it just came up for me. This should never have happened to you, period. No one should have treated you like that, period. And you have nothing to learn and fed up with the bullshit of perhaps kind intention, kind hearted people saying to everyone, no matter what, I'm sure you have something to learn from this. Mm. What does an eight-year-old have to learn by being sexually attacked by an uncle threatening her life if she says anything? Um, So it was so clear and she just, a weight came off. I could feel over the phone, like, really? I said, yeah. Yeah. What you do with this later, that's another story, but It's nothing to learn. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I wanted, was there anybody else? We're about time to wrap it up. Is there anybody anybody wanted to say anything before we head out back into that wild world?
2: Enjoy the expand the (laughs) box.
0: Thank you. (laughs)
13: Yes, enjoy
1: thank you <laughs> all right then Pontus. see you soon
0: tomorrow night
1: all righty thank you everybody have a great time experimenting and you should hug each other thank you thank you
12: Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.